The weather outside doesn't indicate that it's around Easter time. But there's a few things here. We have the smell of lilies that have been uh, purchased. Uh, and I want to thank Carol and all those that brought them. I want to thank you, Betty. And thank um, Betty and, <clears throat> well, Carol and her sister, Betty Beatty, for those banners that remind us. And then even though there are some snow on the ground, we see some trees that are budding. And for those of us that may not see them, we can sneeze sometimes and know that spring is around the corner. There's new life around the corner. And this morning it was, um, I think it was uh, the surprise of many of us, if not of our visitors, when they saw these disciples walking around the church. And I saw a person that I don't see usually looking around and wondering if they were in the right town. Is this Nina or is this Jerusalem or something? As they were seeing uh, those coats. Uh, <clears throat> today is a special Sabbath. It's um, the seventh day of the week, the day that the Lord has made for us to, to take special time for relationships. And it's also a special Sabbath because that's a Sabbath when uh, the death and the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus are remembered in a special way. Um, even in Israel, my mother was telling me that they were having the Passover right now. It's a special Sabbath, as we um, uh, saw earlier, for Tommy and for Patrick. And I was trying to link the two things here. Um, the Sabbath <clears throat> and Easter and the baptism that will take place. Yeah, I remember something that, uh, I don't know if you remember, a couple of years ago we had Piero Ackles come, and we had a Daniel seminar here. And he um, showed to us um, how the events that surround the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus all have some connection with each one of the biblical beliefs that we have as Seventh-day Adventists. And um, I wanted to take a few moments to remind you of some of these things. Um, I've taken a little book that many of you might have, Seventh-day Adventist Believe, and um, went through each one of those um, doctrines, biblical, biblical truths that we hold as dear, and, uh, and saw how really they are connected to what Jesus has shown us uh, in his life as well as in his death and resurrection. Take the first one of our beliefs, the Bible. How many times do you read that what happened to Jesus happened according to the scriptures? That the scriptures might be fulfilled. Just before Jesus was going to offer his life, he said that my time is at hand, didn't he? He was referring to what? He was referring to the many prophecies found in the Old Testament that refer to his sacrifice. Daniel chapter 9, where it is written that Messiah would be cut off and not for himself. Isaiah chapter 53, that predict of the giving of 
the life of the servant of the Lord that would die for the iniquities of many. Psalm 22, in which the psalmist speaks about the anguish of Saul, of Jesus, as he was crucified. So Jesus referred to himself and to what was going to happen to him as something that was talked about in the scriptures. We as heirs of the Protestant Reformation hold the Bible as our only and first source of authority. That's one of our biblical beliefs. We believe in the Bible. And then also these beliefs that we have in the Godhead, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. They were all present at the time of Jesus' baptism, weren't they? When Jesus was baptized, the heavens were opened, and a voice came, this is my beloved Son. And then the Holy Spirit lighted upon his shoulder in the form of a dove. But also around time of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. In John chapter 14, which recalls what Jesus said on the night in which he was betrayed to his disciples, he promised the Holy Spirit, didn't he? John chapter 14, 15, 16 are all promises of Jesus. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you the comforter. And then on the cross, when Jesus felt abandoned by his own father, he said, oh my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was referring to the first person of the Godhead, didn't he? So around the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, you have this fundamental belief of ours as Seventh-day Adventists is being affirmed right there. Jesus on the cross also said, it is finished. Does this remind you, after he had done his great work of salvation, of the words that we find in Genesis, where the creation is recalled? God's word was finished, and then he rested. He had spent the first, the second, third, fourth, fifth, and the sixth days of the week creating the world. Right there with these words that are echoed back in Genesis, we see somehow there's a link between the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and our belief in a God that created the world, that made the world beautiful for us out of his own hand. That has to do with also the way that he made us. When Jesus gave up his breath, he had no thoughts anymore. He went into sleep. When there's no more of life in us, there's nothing that goes up to God and floats around. We believe as Adventists that when we die, we go into sleep, awaiting the morning of the resurrection. And the proof of this is that when Jesus found Mary, or rather Mary found Jesus, on Easter Sunday, what did he tell her? I have not gone yet to the Father. I have not yet ascended to the Father. You see? And so here we find in this story of the resurrection of Jesus a proof somehow that uh, the biblical belief we have in sleep death, not going straight as a soul to heaven or something like this, is something that we can hang on to as true. Jesus, Jesus affirmed this in his resurrection, and that somehow also can affirm our belief that we want to shun spiritualism, talking to dead people as if there was some spirit somewhere. You see, these are precious beliefs that we have as Seventh-day Adventists that are 
that are affirmed in the story of Easter. The great controversy is another one. The great controversy between Christ and Satan. Was Satan trying to snatch the life of Jesus right from his birth? We know that from Revelation 12. Dragon that was trying to just snatch that boy, baby boy, as soon as he was born. But then, was there any time around the time of Jesus' death when Satan was working overtime? Satan was working through Pilate. He was working through a church that was apostate and persecuting Jesus. Persecuting church in cahoot with political powers. And so we see here that the great controversy, which is one of our very special beliefs as Adventists, is something that is affirmed as we see the battle that was raging in the courtrooms before Jesus' crucifixion on the scene of Golgotha. Great controversy was at play right there. Jesus, in his death, resurrection, also taught us things that we believe in terms of how we relate in the church. What happened on Maundy Thursday when he was assembled with his disciples? They were divided, weren't they? They were trying each one to see who's going to be first. And what did Jesus tell them in very few words? He actually taught them that we need to have unity in the church by serving one another, didn't he? Isn't that what he did? He picked up a towel and water and washed his disciples' feet, not just for a story, but to teach us that belief that we have in the unity of the church is something we need to practice day by day. It's very important to Jesus. Jesus, that same night, referred to baptism as well, by immersion. Another one of our beliefs as Seventh-day Adventists coming from the Baptists in washing the feet of Peter. He said, he that has had a bath does not need to wash anything but his feet again. By the big bath, Jesus was referring to what, Tommy? He was referring to baptism. Jesus affirmed this belief that we have, that we should be identifying with him in his death, burial, and resurrection by being immersed in water, having a big bath, washing away our sin and starting a new life. That same night, the foot washing service was a prelude to the Lord's Supper, which we celebrate on a regular basis also as Christians. Jesus, when he um, celebrated the Lord's Supper, affirmed also our Adventist belief that God's law is perennial that God's law is a reflection of God's character. How did he do that? When he was drinking or giving the cup for his disciples to drink, he said, this is the cup of the new covenant, which is given for the remission of what? Of sins. Now, what is sins if not the transgression of the law? There would be no need for Christ's sacrifice, which he was anticipating in the cup, if there was a law that was dispensed with. God's law here, which we believe in as Seventh-day Adventist Christians, is something that Jesus affirmed right there before his crucifixion. He died for our sins because we transgressed God's law. As part of God's law, we as Seventh-day Adventists especially believe that we need to keep the fourth commandment, the Sabbath day, holy as a day of rest. 
Jesus worked hard on Thursday and on Friday, didn't he? He worked hard. He suffered. But then, as Friday afternoon went on and the Sabbath came in, Jesus gave up his breath, and even in his death, he rested in the tomb. Jesus kept the Sabbath in his life as well as in his death, and that's something that we see affirmed in his death as well. Jesus, in his death, burial, and resurrection, has affirmed each one of the beliefs that we have, including the practical ones, such as stewardship. In a scripture that we read a few weeks ago in church, we read in 2 Corinthians that Jesus, who was rich, made himself poor, that we might be rich. It's a euphemism. Jesus gave up heaven and gave everything, including his life, who did not deserve this, so that we could have life eternal. Philippians alludes to this when he says that Jesus condescended to become a servant, even to the point of the death on the cross. In this giving away of himself, Jesus was teaching us, Jesus was showing what stewardship, what management of our resources is life. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. It's in giving that we receive. The flow of life includes breathing in and breathing out, receiving and giving. That's how we are good stewards, representatives of God in our life. And so our Adventist fundamental belief in stewardship is exemplified by how God gave himself in Jesus, how Jesus gave himself in his death as well as in his life. Our belief in the family, every time that I read the story, of Jesus going to visit his friends, uh, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. This past week, I was in Fond du Lac for the funeral of Betty Watts, Floyd's wife. And Pastor Claire, who's very close to them and very old like them too, uh, gave a message. He mentioned about the family of Jesus. He mentioned Mary, Martha, and, but there's others. We saw that around the cross, there was Mary, the mother of Jesus, and her sister, his aunt. Family, even right at the point of the cross, Jesus said to Mary, here is your son, and gave John the responsibility of taking care of his mother. Jesus thought that family relationships are important. That's something we believe in. That's one of our 28 fundamental beliefs. Jesus affirmed this right there on the cross. And he gave, I think, a description and a definition of family relationships that I like very much, not just biological. It's those that love each other, that are partners together in domestic life and in relationships of this kind. We believe in Jesus now not <clears throat> being someplace under the earth, as Todd told us this morning in his meditation. The tomb was empty. And Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father where he can help us right now. When Jesus said to Mary, I am not yet ascended to the Father, was he not anticipating that he would ascend to the Father? Of course. And so here he is at the right hand of God and he said to his disciples right before his crucifixion, I will ask the Father 
and he will give you the comforter. Jesus anticipated the time when shortly after his resurrection, his death and resurrection, he would be up in heaven right now interceding for us in the heavenly sanctuary all the way up to the second coming. The second coming of Jesus is something that he has very clearly shown as an anticipation in his own resurrection. Was Jesus able to eat something after his resurrection? We're being told that he ate fish and honey. He had a body, not just a little spirit floating around. It was, as was read earlier, a glorious body. They had specific qualities that we don't have yet. But Jesus had a body. That's why we derive also our belief as Seventh-day Adventists in the importance of taking care of our bodies, a healthy lifestyle, and so on and so forth. Jesus anticipated not just his resurrection, but our resurrection and his second coming when he resurrected. Right before, during the week that proceeded on Tuesday, before he was crucified, Jesus talked about all the signs of his coming, didn't he? On the Mount of Olives. In John chapter 14, in the very night in which he was betrayed, he said to his disciples, don't let your hearts be troubled. I go, but I'll come back. I'll prepare a place for you, but I'll come back to take you with me. Jesus anticipated this. In Caiaphas' court, when he was misjudged, misrepresented, he found courage in saying, you will see the Son of Man coming on the right hand of power. Jesus was, was anticipating and teaching us right there in Easter, in the story of Easter, that he would come back. He had said that there would be two resurrections. And that's also related to our belief in the millennium. And, but in all of these things, Jesus was accomplishing the great work of restoring the earth the way that it was supposed to be in the first place. Jesus, as he drank the cup, assured his disciples and assures you and me, he says, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until, you know the words, um, what did you say? Thank you, Jody. Until I drinking anew with you in the kingdom of heaven. We believe in a heaven that is not some place in the sky, at least only, one day, according to the scriptures, we believe as Seventh-day Adventists that God will renew the earth and the heaven that we have here to a place where it will be without sin. A real place where we'll be able to drink grape juice and enjoy fellowship with each other, including Jesus, for eternity in a place without sin in my Father's kingdom. I wanted to review each one of those fundamental beliefs, Tommy and Patrick that we have studied, that you have studied with Paul on this special Sabbath, so that you would see that even in the story of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, he affirmed all of these things that the remnant church affirms and believes in from the scriptures. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that there will be a change from mortality to immortality, from corruption to incorruption, from being based and having sufferings to being glorious. The promise of 1 Corinthians 15, the promise of Easter, is that the funeral that I went to this past week would be reversed into something that would be a great reunion. 
there'll be a transformation of pain into well-being, of fear into confidence. The, the disciples were fearful. They turned confident. Our tears will be turned into joy. The imperfection of this world will give way to perfection once more. That's what we sing. Let the weak say I am strong, like the poor say I am rich. All of these things are brought about and proved, proven to us by the resurrection of Jesus. And through all these beliefs that we have from the scripture, through all the work that Jesus did in his life and in Passion Week and on the cross, he was working and we're believing things that are intended to bring us to the restored new heaven where there'll be only joy. And I know if some of you were, many of you were in Sabbath school this morning, and we studied the story of, G- of Joseph. Imagine the joy of Jacob. Joseph was a type of Christ. We didn't have in my Sabbath school class a, a chance to go th- that far. But Joseph was put in a pit. He was buried. And somehow he came out. He was resurrected. Years later, his father, whom he thought was dead, Jacob, saw his son again, Joseph. Do you imagine imagine the joy that Jacob had? This is something from the scripture that tells us about the joy that we will have when on resurrection day, we will see char with a renewed body. We'll see all of us that are getting older, that includes me, Hazel, who's 90 years old, but all of us that are getting older, renewed and glorious. Russell, it won't be just feeling better from St. E's. You'll be staying good and young and strong as you are forever. Sometimes I have a chance to meet a friend that I haven't seen for a long time by surprise. I've had this chance today. When I saw Bill Scanlon coming up, our snowbirds, the nettles that are coming back, it's like, oh, wow, they're here again. When we see Bill, when we see each other, did they have the chance of seeing somebody I haven't seen for a long time, brought tears to my eyes. Joy is coming. And that's what distinguishes us as Seventh-day Adventists. Because of what Jesus has done, we are a people of hope. This is what we want to take in our hearts. As we renew our vows, as we see Tommy getting baptized, this is what we take in our hearts as we get out from this place to show the hope that joy is coming. Joy that will not be diluted anymore because of what Jesus has done for us. Tommy, could you please come for a moment? And Patrick as well. And we'll make our way to the platform here in a moment. But um, I'd like to stand here and if you want to come with me uh, as well, uh, Paul. And um, I don't do this every time. We don't do this every time that we have um, baptisms. But um, both Tommy and Patrick have expressed a commitment here. And we'd like to, Paul and I, we're going to read the questions, or, or rather the expressions of commitment that you have already reviewed. And if you just, um, in front of the congregation, and each one of the congregations is invited to do the same thing, either by show of hand or by saying amen, to affirm what we believe here as solidly biblical, something that Jesus himself believed in and wanted us to believe, and something that will help us to get on our way to heaven by believing in him. So, I'm going to start with number one, if you'd read number two, maybe. You don't want to do that? 
I'll do it. You'll stay with me then. You'll just give me a little courage as I read. I believe there is one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a unity of three co-eternal persons. I accept the death of Jesus Christ on Calvary as the atoning sacrifice for my sins and believe that through faith in his shed blood, I am saved from sin and its penalty. I renounce the world and its sinful ways and have accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, believing that God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven my sins and given me a new heart. I accept by faith the righteousness of Christ, my intercessor in the heavenly sanctuary, and accept his promise of transforming grace and power to live a loving, Christ-centered life in my home and before the world. I believe that the Bible is God's inspired word, the only rule of faith and practice for the Christian. I covenant to spend time regularly in prayer and Bible study. I accept the Ten Commandments as a transcript of the character of God and a revelation of His will. It is my purpose by the power of the indwelling Christ to keep His law, including the Fourth Commandment, which requires the observance of the seventh day of the week as the Sabbath of the Lord and memorial of creation. I look forward to the soon coming of Jesus and the blessed hope when this mortal shall put on immortality. As I prepare to meet the Lord, I will witness to his loving salvation and by word and life help others to be ready for his glorious appearing. I accept the biblical teaching of spiritual gifts and believe that the gift of prophecy is one of the identifying marks of the remnant church. I believe in church organization. It is my purpose to support the church by my tithes and offerings and by my personal effort and influence. I believe that my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and would honor God by caring for it, avoiding the, the use of that which is harmful, abstaining from all unclean foods, from the use, manufacture, and sale of alcoholic beverages, the use, manufacture, and sale of tobacco in any of its forms for human consumption, narcotics, and drugs. I know and understand the fundamental Bible principles as taught by the Seventh-day Adventist Church. I purpose by the grace of God to fulfill His will by ordering my life in harmony with these principles. And we're coming to the end here. Two more and we're done here. But they're beautiful ones. I accept the New Testament teaching of baptism by immersion and desire to be so baptized as a public expression of faith in Christ and His forgiveness of my sins. That's for Tommy only because you were baptized already. I accept and believe that the Seventh-day Adventist Church is the remnant church of Bible prophecy and that people of every nation, race, and language are invited and accepted into its fellowship. I desire to be a member of this local congregation of the world church. Amen. You see, amen to that. This is beautiful. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for having brought us to this day. We want to thank you for bringing Tommy to this day. And each one of us, as we witness his baptism, we've been baptized. Help us to renew our commitment to you on this Easter Sabbath. Amen. We pray that you bless Tommy with new life as he emerges from this water and breathes a new breath, that this would be a symbol of your Holy Spirit to guide him as a Christian young man to be everything that you have created him to be for the world, for you. Pray that you'll bless him in every way and with a daily sense 
of your presence in his life and power to be your witness in his own way as he lives his life until the soon day of Jesus' coming. And so now my young brother, Tommy, following your profession of faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that you may walk in newness of life until he returns. Amen. 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 I never leave the baptistry without... Who has been baptized in this congregation this morning? Can you raise your hand if you've been baptized? Amen. Many of us. Now, some of us may have been baptized and have seen today what Tommy has done and say, I want to be rebaptized sometime down the line. This morning, Carol Bunnell was there from New London Church. She was baptized last year. I see Glenn over here who's being baptized. Many there's some of you. Maybe there's you. Is there someone here who's planning to be baptized over the next few weeks? Would like to be baptized sometime soon. If you want to raise your hand as an expression before God that you're doing it, I invite you to do that now. And if not in your heart, and then come and talk with Paul, talk with someone, and be ready to take that step of commitment or renewed commitment with the one that gave everything for us. Our Father, as we go our separate ways now, let us remember the service that we have just seen of someone giving their lives to Christ. We remember the days when we did that, and we pray that each and every day we will do that again that we will continue to walk on your path, that we will depend upon you for our strength, and that you may lead us in the way that we should go. Bless each one now as they go home. May we continue to have a good week and to follow you, and may we return again next week to worship together. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.